2 Corinthians 8. Grab your Bibles and dig in together. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read the first five verses as we look into the Word of God together. Second Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. This is the word of the Lord. I was reading this week about a... a place over in Britain called the, the Lakeside Shopping Center, and uh, I think it was a couple years ago, they decided that in addition to all the normal stuff that they had, they were going to offer impossible Christmas gifts. Um, like if you came in and, and there was something you wanted that was extraordinary, they were going to try to have the ability to do that. Three of them that they, they mentioned were, they, were, they hired a, um, and I guess this is a job, I don't know, a, a professional Lego builder so that if you came in and said whatever it was that you wanted built out of Legos to give to somebody, they had somebody that they could have come and make anything out of Legos uh, so that you could give it to somebody. They were going to uh, have a, a chocolatier, uh, a confectioner on, on staff that whatever the particular dessert was that you wanted done, that, that they could do um, whatever you wanted. And they were also going to have a seamstress on staff so that if you came in there was a particular dress or, or outfit that you wanted, whatever it was that they could do that. And their goal was that as people were coming to shop there, that whatever it was, no matter how uh, impossible, quote unquote, the, uh, the request was that they would have the ability to fulfill it. And as we think about showing up and asking for impossible things, uh, that leads us to this passage and to our prayer lives. And how often we ask for things that seem impossible and how often we kind of dumb it down and ask for things that are really, really basic. If you have your sermon outline this morning, let's, um, let's start with a question. How can God do exceeding abundantly great answers through me? How can God do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly great answers through me? So as I said, a lot of times the, the sermon series, the, the title is Unworthy. And a lot of times when we do feel unworthy of God doing something great or God doing something impressive through us, one of the ways that that shows up is in our prayer lives. And we, we'll just kind of ask for, well, God bless this person and God bless that person. But we don't really ask for great things because we don't think God would really work through somebody like us. We don't really think God would answer us in that way. The, the phrase exceeding abundantly comes from Ephesians 3.20. Joe, if you can throw that up on the screen for me. Um, this is coming out of the, the King James, and it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now, of course, the exceeding abundantly language is kind of uh, old school language there, but a lot of us remember that verse 
because it has that idea of him being able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. What is that? It's the power of God working in us. It's, it's not us in and of ourselves, but it's the power of God working through us. And so we have this promise, Ephesians 3.20, it says that God, as he is working through us, can do these great, great things. And then so often in our lives, we see so little actually happening. And so we want to talk, and I think this passage this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 gives us some insight. We want to talk about one of the pieces, and this isn't the whole thing, but one of the pieces of seeing God do more of that in our lives. Um, to, to see that kind of an answer, the second thing is this. We have to go all in. We have to go all in. As you look at this passage, verse 5 is really interesting. So the, the, let's set it up. So the context here is Paul and those that he is ministering with have some situations where they need financial support to be able to do the things that they are doing. Uh, there, there's some, some larger things going on in the, uh, in the society at that time. Um, there's some crises going on. And so, as it says in verse 2, in the midst of a very, he's talking about the churches in Macedonia. In the midst of a very severe trial, that's what uh, everybody was going through, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. So these weren't people that had a ton of extra resources. We said earlier how blessed we are. One of the things we're blessed in in, in America is, is that we're, we're pretty well off. God, you know, most of us have a place to stay tonight. Most of us have clothes on our back. We have plenty of food. In this situation, uh, the churches in Macedonia were going through a time of extreme poverty. And yet their overflowing joy, verse 2, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Even though they were going through a situation where they were struggling some, nonetheless there was great generosity that flowed out of them. Verse 3, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Despite the fact that they were dealing with this extreme poverty, nonetheless they, did, they gave incredibly uh, generously. Uh, verse 3 says they gave beyond their ability, End of verse 3, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So it wasn't like Paul had to beg them and twist their arm. They came forward and they wanted to do this. Now, that leads us all to a phrase in verse 5 that's important for us in what we're talking about this morning. He notes, we'll come back to this in a minute, and they exceeded our expectations. Here's the phrase that's important for us in this moment. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. So it wasn't just that they took up an offering and they had some money and they gave the, the offering, but it tells us here that they gave themselves to the Lord, first of all, that they themselves had committed. And, and as we think about that, there, there's, there has to be this, if we want to see those answers we were talking about where God does amazing things, a lot of us, I think, sometimes kind of feel like, okay, well, we're going to you know, see those answers when God shows up, but the state of my life really doesn't make that much difference. Whether I'm being obedient to the Lord or not obedient to the Lord, whether I'm praying faithfully or not praying faithfully, that all doesn't matter that much. But verse 5 is really important. As it says there in the middle, they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And we need to have that desire to go forward and to give ourselves to the Lord, where we are all in on desiring to see Him move in our lives. We're all in and being committed to Him. We want to see Him do great things through our lives. 
it's like when you when you stand before uh, the the preacher to get married. You know, we, we give our vows for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. And, and I kind of sometimes feel like for some of us as Christians, you know, if we were making a vow in the moment, be like, if it's not raining, I'll, I'll come to church, or if I don't have something better to do, I'll come to church, or I'll read the Bible if there's not something good on TV, or I'll pray when I have something wrong. And I, I've done a lot of ceremonies, and I have to tell you, if, if I got up there and said, okay, do you take each other when it's convenient, when the other one's not annoying you, when... Like, that's not going to be a particularly beautiful ceremony, is it? Because we say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, that we are all in on this commitment, and we're going to be there for that person no matter what comes up in the future. And in the same way, we need to have that commitment to the Lord as we look at what exactly He wants to do in the world and say, God, I want to be a part of that. God, I want you to move in my life in a dramatic way. I really kind of feel like, and, you know, I'm thankful this morning to be back off masks again. I'm thankful the numbers are going down. I hope, and I have no idea, I hope this is, that was the last surge and, and things are going to stay low and, and, and we're going to be closer to getting back to normal. But one of the things that's been interesting, and we've all kind of seen this, because we've all had points where none of us could come to church, and we've had points where some of us could, and everybody throughout this whole thing, I, I say over and over again, Everybody, we all need to be careful, and for those that have health issues, they need to, to be more careful and make sure that they don't go beyond what's safe, and, and everybody needs to be very cautious to make sure they don't put themselves in a dangerous situation. But having said that, what I've also noticed is that during this time, um, there's been some who at least give the outward appearance of using... COVID when, okay, it is safe for me to go to Kroger's, and it is safe for me to go out to eat, and it is safe for me to go here and here. It's safe for me to go everywhere, but where? But church. And, and sometimes that's an issue where to go back to what we're talking about here, rather than saying, I'm all in. As soon as I can be back at church, I want to worship the Lord because I'm all in for Jesus Christ, and I want to do everything I can, and I want to be a part. It's kind of, well, you know what? Man, that, those live streams, you can watch those in your pajamas, you know? Praise the Lord. I can watch it in my... And I love our live stream, and we're going to continue to do it because when people are away um, on vacation, it's great that they can watch it. Or we have people like Bill's daughter who is down in Florida, and she watches it most weeks. And it's great that we can do that. But if we watch it from home because it's too inconvenient for me to get up out of bed and come to worship with the church, even though I've gone everywhere else that week, and again, people shouldn't do it if, if it's a situation where it's not safe. But if I've done everything else, and yet I'm not committed to Jesus Christ, I'm not all in, am I? And we need to decide when it comes to wanting to see God move, because we all want to see those answers. We want to see Him bring about something great in our lives. But then we come back to, well, where am I at? Am I conditional on my commitment? Am I, am I interested or am I invested? Where am I at on that? And do I desire to go and see Him do great things? It says here, not just that they gave their money, not just that they said nice things, but look again at verse 5. It says, they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. I was reading a, a uh, dramatic story this week. It, 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 it actually is displayed. There's a, a Holocaust museum up in um, Boston, and, and apparently there are several pillars there and most of the pillars tell the story. There's like uh, um, writing on them that tell the story of some of the brutality and the horrible things that happened. But there's one that actually lists a story, and it's called One Strawberry. 
no, one raspberry, I'm sorry, one raspberry. And it tells the story of there's this young girl who was there, and uh, one day one of her friends went out, and as she was in the camp, they were both in one of the, the Holocaust camps, as she was in the camp, as she was out, she found one raspberry just kind of growing wild in one region of it. And she, she took that one raspberry and put it in her pocket, and she kept it the whole day until she came back. And, and when she saw her friend, she gave her friend the one raspberry that she had found. And the friend who survived the camp later wrote, and, and she said, which I thought was a really profound statement, she said, what kind of love is it when the only thing that you own anymore, the only thing that you have, is one raspberry, and you give that to someone else. And that really struck me because it does speak of that level of sacrifice. It speaks of that level of, of being all in and, and giving away what really matters to us. And, and as we read here about the Macedonians and the way that they were, am I fully committed or am I committed when it's convenient? It leads us to the second, or the third thing rather, which is this. Why is that true? Why is it true that we need to be all in in that way? And the answer is this, because, because God rarely does overflow things through measured people. Because God rarely does overflow things through measured people. When we see those overflow answers that blow us away and we see God move in a powerful way, it, it, it's not that God just randomly chooses who he's going to move to, but rather we know going back to the uh, back to the New Testament and the Gospels, we read over and over again about the importance of faith. When Jesus is talking about answers to prayer, some people think, well, you know, it doesn't matter who says it, as long as you say the right words, then you're going to get the same answer. And that's not true. The Bible is very clear that the person who has faith sees an answer that the person who does not have faith doesn't see. And so as we go forward and have that kind of faith and believe that God is going to move, as we have that deep within our hearts to believe, God, you can do this. God, I, I believe you're going to bring this about. We are going to see answers that the other person may not see because we have that kind of faith. When we keep talking about fire from heaven and in the future wanting to see God move in a powerful way, for a lot of us, all we want to do is we just want to observe that. Man, wouldn't it be great to see a baptism every Sunday? Wouldn't it be great to come in there and have the sanctuary full? And we just kind of want to see that. We want somebody else to pray and bring that about rather than bowing down ourselves and saying, God, I desperately want to bring or to see fire from heaven in our county, in our church, in our county, in our region. What do I need to change so that I can be more committed to you? What do I need to change? What are the things in my life that aren't where they need to be? What sin is there? Where am I being disobedient? Because I know it's not going to be just, well, I decided to do it here, so I'm going to bring it about. God's going to choose the people to bring it through where we are all in for Christ and where we are sacrificing for Christ. And those are the people of great faith that God is going to bring the miracle through. As you look at this passage, again in verse 5, at the beginning of verse 5, it says, and they exceeded our expectation. When is the last time, and I'm drawing the circle and standing inside, when is the last time that somebody looked at the way that we live our Christian life, the way that we read the Bible, the way that we pursue Christ, the way that we pray, the way that we sacrifice, the way that we go help somebody, when is the last time somebody looked at our Christian life and said, you exceeded my expectations? And how much of it is, you know what, I, I got a nice cruising altitude, I'm just going to stay right there. It's nice and safe and comfortable, I'm just going to stay right where 
I'm out. I was reading the story of William Borden. Going back about 100 years ago, he was an heir to the Borden fortune. And, but his heart was, uh, he went on this, uh, as a graduation present, of course, it was an incredibly wealthy family, he went on this world tour, and as he came back, he was burdened for all the people he saw around the world who didn't know Christ. And so he began his path toward being a missionary, and while he was at Yale University, he had this passion for sharing Jesus Christ wherever he was at. Let me get the numbers right. When he was at Yale University, he started um, these Bible groups during the week as a freshman, and um, at the end of his first year, he had 150 of the freshmen meeting together for a Bible club, which is an incredible uh, movement through one person. That by his faith and by his movement or by his actions, he ended up getting 150. By the time he was a senior, 1,100 of the 1,300 Yale students were in a Bible study like that, all because of his impact. 1,100 out of 1,300 students. Why? Because he was fully committed. You could look at his life, go back to verse 5, you could look at his life and say that he exceeded our expectations. And so in our lives, what are we doing to where do we see God doing something great to us or are we a measured person where I'm just kind of going to give God enough to get me by and look good or am I an overflow Christian that's giving him everything that I have. Now, there's another little detail in here that is worth uh, looking at at the end of verse 5. Applying this to churches. Applying this to churches. An additional application concerns being fully committed to your church leaders. An additional application concerns being fully committed to your church leaders. Look at the end of verse 5. There's an interesting phrase there. Verse 5 says, and, we, and they exceeded our expectations. We talked about that. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. We talked about that. And this is interesting. And then by the will of God, also to us. Now let me pause for a second and, and note what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that a pastor should have all power. I'm not saying a church leadership should have all power. I'm not talking about anything like that, any kind of an authoritarian or autocratic or dictatorial system. But it is interesting that he says there, and he notes, that having given themselves to the Lord, they then gave themselves to Paul and to those that were helping him. Um, oftentimes, what we, oftentimes what people want is they want to go to a church where a lot of stuff is happening and where a lot of ministry is going on, but they don't want to help with those things. They... they they want a vibrant kids program, but they don't want to teach kids. They want a vibrant card ministry, but they don't want to send cards. They want us to be a church of prayer, but they don't want to pray themselves. They want us to be a church of missions, but they don't want to give toward that. And as we think about what he is saying here, and we think about what Paul is putting forward, we need to remember that we all, for better or worse, there are leaders that are trying to help the church. There's a pastor that's trying to help the church. And part of being committed to Christ and part of being committed to what God is trying to do is being committed to help with what's actually happening in the church. It's funny how, um, 
how often, and, and this is a, a pattern I've seen over 25 years now. So um, let's say you're doing VBS. We'll just pick VBS. Then. And so you, you post and you say, all right, listen, we have a chance. We think we can get uh, you know, 80 kids every day at VBS. We're going to do, but we'll pick Bocamp. 80 kids every night at Bocamp. Well, the chance to share the gospel with them. And so we, we need all these volunteers. Who will volunteer? And you put it out there and nobody volunteers. Or a handful of people volunteer. And then, you, you know, it, it's kind of getting a little closer to time, so then I'll pick on Bill Cook, even though Bill Cook isn't this kind of person. So you go to Bill Cook, and you're like, Bill Cook, uh, you didn't sign up, but listen, we need somebody to do this. We, we Oh, yeah, I don't care to help at all. All you got to do is ask me. And in that moment, what you say is, and Bill wouldn't do this to me, but what you say as the pastor is, well, thank you, we do need you. What you want to say as a pastor is, we've been asking for a month. We've been putting it out there. But what do people do? They're like, well, listen, if you need me, you ask. Well, if we asked in general and not have to come to people individually and say, we need you to do X, Y, Z, then we would have everything filled. And what often happens is everybody wants the church to grow. Everybody wants the church to increase. Everybody wants all these good things to happen. But a lot of times we want somebody else to do the work. And we need to be people who say, I haven't just committed to Jesus Christ, but you know what? Jim Butcher and these leaders are the leaders of my church, and I want to help them help our church to succeed. And so we need to understand they didn't just commit themselves to, to uh, they didn't just commit themselves to the Lord, but they also committed themselves to their leaders to say, we want to be a part of God moving. To go back to fire from heaven for a second. When fire from heaven happens, as we look forward years and years from now, when we die and pass on and stand before God, here's the deal. If fire from heaven happens and we see 200 people baptized in this church over two years and God does amazing things, you don't get credit for that when you stand before God if you happen to be a pew sitter in this church. You get credit for that and you get to be a part of the rewards for that if you were a servant of the Lord in this church. If you were giving and serving and doing as a part of that ministry. And so we need to understand here what Paul says is they not only then only gave themselves to the Lord, but they also gave themselves to Paul and his fellow ministers. Which leads us to the last thing. And that's the question that we want to close on this morning. And that's this. Am I somewhat interested or fully invested? Am I somewhat interested or fully invested? Am I hungry for God's Word? Am I eager to pray? Do I want to see God move in this way and to be a part of it? Or am I kind of holding back and saying, I'd love to see those great answers, but not enough to do the work myself? I was reading this week about Justin Wren. Um, he was an MMA fighter for a number of years and, and had a promising future there and got into the lifestyle that often accompanies that. He was into drugs and alcohol, and, and saw everything kind of fall apart until a friend of his um, invited him to, to come to this small group Bible study that he was doing. And, and he went, he got saved, and his friend started to disciple him so that he actually grew in Christ. And, um, and he started to have this burden. He's like, he, he was all in for Jesus at that point. He's like, I, I want to do something great for Jesus. I, I, I feel like there's this burden for me to help those who are, who are, he had the phrase, you know, the least of these, those that are, that are on the edge, least of these. Well, his mentor was about to go on a, an overseas mission trip um, to, to go to this tribe that, um, that was among the poorest in the world. And Justin was like, I, I think that's where God is leading me. So he went over there, 
with them on this trip and was able to, um, was able to minister there, was able to, to feel that powerful sense of God using him. They, the, the fellows that he ministered to, let me get the name right because it's in another language. Um, those that he ministered to, this tribe, named him um, Ifoso Matubi Mungbo. The first two words mean, uh, this was a pygmy tribe. The first two words mean the big pygmy because Justin is like six foot five and they were all relatively short. So the, the first two words meant that he was the biggest one there. But the last word that they gave him Ephoso, or I'm sorry, the first word that they gave him, Ephoso, it means the man who loves us. The man who loves us. And he said for all these years, he was trying to find value, his value and, and worth in being the best fighter, being the best fighter. And it was as he gave his heart to the Lord and then was a servant of God that he found his true purpose and value. As we go back to verse 5, and I'm going to close. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. I just want to ask you on that middle phrase. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. Is it true that today, first of all, above all other things, more than anything else, that you have given yourself to the Father, we um, we all go through time when we get distracted by the world, when we look in other directions. But Father, we need to make you our number one commitment. And when we commit in that way, we need to give you not just a little bit of who we are, but we need to be all in on believing that you desire to work in us and through us. Only then will we see you do great things. Only then will we see those exceeding, abundantly great answers. Father, I pray this morning in each of our hearts as we quietly listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. I pray that you would bring through your Holy Spirit to our attention the true state of where we are spiritually. Are we fully committed? And if not, in this, mem- in this moment, will we choose to renew that commitment? To be all in? To be a servant of Jesus Christ? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.